restoring that which was lost. Exodus 9.16, we read in the Old Testament, but indeed for this purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Indeed, this is why I have raised you up. And we can contextualize it and say, oh, he's talking about Moses, has nothing to do with me. Uh, But we know that that is the individual call for everyone in the new covenant is that God is wanting to raise you up. Say, God wants to raise me up. He wants to raise me up that I may show my power in you. God wants to manifest his power here on earth through his kids. He wants to use you to magnify him here on this earth, right? To declare his name in all the earth. And so there is this thing of, you know, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts. There is this understanding that there is this progression, but I actually believe it is a progression. I believe that if we can't share the gospel with our neighbors and, and declare, allow the power of God to be, you know, manifested through us in Chicago or in Los Angeles, then what business do we have going to the nations? You know what? I mean, really, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's theologically sound, but I mean, for me, it's like, if I can't, you know, love the person next to me, what business do I have loving whatever people group I have, I'm so desperate for, you know, across the, the other side of the globe, you know? And I'm not saying that God doesn't plant those seeds of, of, of uh, passion in us, you know, but it, it can't be, you know, all and nothing. You know what I mean? There, there is, I can't, I have to love what, where, where I'm at and I ha- I can love where God is calling me. There, there is that thing. And, um, but God definitely is wanting to raise you up. He's wanting to raise me up, uh, that his power may be shown in us and that we could declare his name in all the earth. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 3, verse 21 says, um, For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. Right? That Jesus is now has now ascended in heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father. And that's where he will remain until the restoration of all things, which means restoration still needs to be taking place here on the earth. It still needs to be taking place. And how that's taking place is through his church, right? Um, God is on a restoration mission. Luke nineteen ten. you guys know all this, uh, this scripture it says for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came to the earth. He came to seek and save the lost. If that's why Jesus came to the earth, then what do we believe is still God's mission here on the earth? What is God's mission for his children now through the extension of what Jesus has done? What, what is his mission for us? We have to come to the conclusion that it's the exact same mission to seek and save the lost. And what does that intentionally mean for you and I as individuals? How, how do we actually go about that? How, how do we go about preaching the gospel? I do believe that the communication of the gospel has to be the, an element, a large element in how we reach the world around us. I mean, I, I believe in, in relational evangelism. I was speaking about it uh, just a little earlier. As, as we build these bridges with people to love on them for loving on them's sake, but that bridge has to be built for the sake of being able to communicate the gospel. 
there has to be an element of us telling them the truth about Jesus Christ. And I believe that there's those encounters that I meet someone in the line at Walmart and I speak Jesus to them without a relational bridge. Because that's the power of the gospel. The, the gospel is, is, is the power to salvation. It's speaking the truth. It's speaking what Jesus did, who he was, what he was about. And we have to be comfortable with that. And I know it's not easy. And I know we can very easily get uncomfortable when you're standing in line, you know, at the supermarket or you're in a family reunion and the Holy Spirit drops on you. It's like, you need to tell him. You need to tell him. You're like, no, God, no, God, not right here. Not right now. This isn't the time. This isn't the place. You know, the, you, we, we go. I don't know if you've been. I've gone through these emotions. Right. And, and and so it's far. We I think a lot of what's happened with social justice is it's so much easier to say, I see a need. Here's a sandwich. God bless you and walk away with no truth ever delivered. Yes, we loved on them and you're never going to lose for doing that. But did we get everything out of that encounter that Jesus wanted? Not what you wanted and not even what they wanted. Did we get everything out of that encounter that Jesus wanted? Could we have spent a little more time? Could we have, have, have reached down a little deeper and brought out the truth as hard as it was to, to deliver it so that they can see themselves in the mirror of the gospel and understand that there was a pathway to right relationship with God once again? And I think we have to get to that place of understanding that this thing of, of, of lost sheep and, and lost coins that we read about um, in Scripture, we have to grasp this truth that God is on a restoration mission. He wants to restore everything that has been stolen from him. Matthew chapter 24, 14. You guys should know this scripture as well. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. Say the whole world. The whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Have you guys ever thought, Lord, please just come today. Like, just come back now. Like, please. Now. Now, I, I don't know how you wrestle with this th- theologically, but do you know that we and I actually have a say of how soon that happens? Not a say, but maybe a, yeah, right? A part to play in that, of how soon that happens. Because we read here in Scripture, the breathed word of God, right? And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. We have something, we have a huge part to play. Amos 9.14, I referenced in the first session, um, verse 14 says, Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their lands, and they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. So we read that the Lord has always wanted to restore the captives, bring freedom to the captives, um, because that's the heart of God. Now, some people will take that prophet and say, well, that's just to the nation of Israel. And we have to understand when God has spoken things into existence that his covenant did not end with the people of Israel. That the extension of of what we're living in is a progression from Judaism into the fulfillment of what Christianity is. Of knowing that these prophetic words that were spoken to the children of Israel have actually continued on to the children of God today. And so this thing of captives being set free and captives now beginning to rebuild. 
Who were the captives? We were. We were the Gentiles. We were the outsiders. We were the one excluded. We were the ones that, that weren't uh, supposed to be a part of this, this thing that some people read. It, 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 we, we, we are the extension of what God is wanting to do here on the earth. We will restore, um, build walls, plant vineyards for other people to come and eat from and take shelter in. Second um, Peter 2.19, uh, it is not the Lord's will that any should perish. It's not God's will. That any should perish. And I think that has to take resonance inside of who we are as we are, communi- or we are going about this life. Of, of when we see people and, autom- you know, you get those feeling like, oof, lost cause. Right? It's not God's will that one should perish. Not one people group. Not one cultural group. Not one really bad sin group. You know, not, not one. Not one. How, how does that affect my life? How does that affect how I go about what I do. Um, so how are we partnering with God on his mission uh, to restore? How are you partnering with God on his mission, right? Um, if you've, I, I might have preached uh, at the Chicago, if I use it a lot, but we're, we've been commissioned. It's commissioned. We are in a commission with God. We are partnering with God to take this gospel to the world, right? And so we see this thing in Luke 15 of the lost sheep and lost coin. Uh, Luke 15, 1. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him, listening to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and he eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. Right? So there's this understanding that it it is okay to leave the 99 in safe pastures so that I can go find the one. Right? And then verse 7 does something that actually has been just messing with me in this last season of my life, and I really think is beginning to grab a hold of, of how we at Restoration LA are, are going about things. I tell you in the same way, listen to this, there will be more, say more, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so what that's done for me and how I'm understanding how we go about our lives as Christians and what we're actually giving our efforts to is are we more concerned with this or with that? And we can say, oh, that, I mean, it's the elders and, and the, you know, the, 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 you know, We've been telling them they need to start these programs for us to be able. No, 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 no. In God's economy of eternity, there is more joy in heaven. We speak about the kingdom all the time. We all want heaven to invade earth. Yes? We're all wanting the manifest presence of God to come and to begin to invade this earth in a way that cultures change and people change and life change and ecclesiologies of churches change because we want heaven to invade. So here's a heavenly perspective that we need to understand. There is more joy in heaven when one sinner repents over the 99. How does that affect my life? 
How does that affect how I go about what I do? Because of God, this is what I believe this is saying to me as a pastor who leads a body of believers that God is more concerned with the people outside of my building than the people inside of my building. And as a pastor, I'm like, really, God? Because I'm spending a whole lot of time with these guys in this building. I'm trying to equip them. I'm trying to get them ready. I'm trying to activate them. He's like, yeah, I'm still more concerned with the one. Because there's more joy in heaven when one sinner repents than over us 99 who are already in the club. Now, I know that's not a a, a good theological analogy. This isn't a club. But do you understand what I'm saying? We're in. We've been saved by grace. We, 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 our eternity is sealed by the blood of Jesus. We're in. And yes, there was celebration when you and I said yes to Jesus for the first time. All oh, heaven rejoiced. And, and I, I could just see the, hear the roar of the angels. And I could see Jesus sitting up from his throne room and looking down and being so pleased that the restoration mission that he was on is still taking place. But that time's passed. There's still people who are dying and, yes, going to hell. And I know that's a very harsh statement. But this is a reality of what we understand, that there is an eternity and there are only two places that that eternity is going to be spent. And if we haven't reconciled that in our theology, I pray that you as an individual dive into Scripture and begin to reconcile that in your life because it will create an urgency inside of you like you've never had before. And because if you don't have that urgency, when I begin to speak about the loss and begin the lost coin and how the urgency of you lost something and that thing needs to be regained, what is the urgency if there is no eternity ramifications? If universalism is a thing, then what is the urgency? It's amazing to me some of the doctrines that are put out there, even in seminaries, I, I... Unfortunately, I'll speak about my experience. I, I sat with uh, in a world religion uh, um, course in seminary, and, and we we covered all the religions. And I was getting really frustrated because it felt like um, the professor was speaking about all these other religions with with fervor and just wanted to give us the nuances that made it you know sound just really less you know harsh to us so that we can understand how they believed and you know i get all that stuff and and then he got to christianity and you know we're taking the historical context and and he kind of went through christianity like if it was you know statistics you know just like eh, like really monotone and i was getting rubbed the wrong way you know because i'm a pastor and i love jesus you know i mean so um by the time he's done um you know he i i think he can feel my projected um something yeah, um, and so I had provoked some stuff in the class that kind of, took, you know, rattled him a bit or whatever. Um, I wasn't trying to be, I'm just passionate about Jesus, and I'm passionate about seeing lost people saved and people down for hell brought into the eternity that they were meant to spend with Jesus. And So he said, I just want you guys to understand that at the end of the day, for me, um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I've seen some people just kind of take a breath, like, okay. Because they had the same questions that I did by the way he was delivering, you know, this class. And this is at the summary of the class. And so then I said, can you please, please finish that verse? He goes, well, what do you mean? 
I said, you said that Jesus is um, the way, the truth, and the life. Can you finish the verse? He goes, oh, you mean that no man can come to the Father except through him? I said, that part, yes. Okay. He goes, yeah, but how do you know that um, Jesus couldn't have revealed himself through these other religions? I was floored. I was absolutely floored that a Christian professor in a Christian seminary actually delivered this to students. And I said, so you're saying that Jesus could have revealed himself as Muhammad. You're saying that Jesus could have revealed himself as Buddha or one of these other Messiah-like figures in one of these other religions? Because if that's the fact, then why on earth, literally, did God send his son to be slaughtered on a cross if there was another way for it to happen? If Jesus could have revealed himself in any other way, then why did God allow the son to be crucified for me on a cross? Because Jesus asked him, Lord, if there is any other way, can this cup please pass from me? Is there any other way? And the father's response was no. There isn't another way because Jesus is the only way and no one comes to the father except through him. That creates an urgency in our lives. That creates an understanding in me that there are people that are going to be excluded from this eternity that they were meant to spend with their father and their savior. And I want to invite them to that party. I want to be lined on the red carpet saying, come on, you guys are are invited into this thing. And, And what's my role to play in that? Because I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 who have already repented. How does that change how I live my life? How does that change our ecclesiology? How does that change the way things look on a Sunday morning? I mean, really, what does that look like? What does that look like when droves of people are coming in that are, 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 are without God and are standing right next to you, unresponsive to the latest Bethel song that you're singing, and they're just like, So you and I were like, dude, Holy Spirit was in this room. This dude's missing it. What does that do? I mean, honestly, what does that look like? You know, I mean, the way we speak, the way we invite, the way we we do church, what is it? I mean, really, I'm not saying we become this secret church where the gospel is not given. We don't stand on the truth and we don't worship King Jesus. But what does it look like? What does it look like for you? What does it look like for me? How do how do we? make room for these ones in droves, right? Luke 15, 8. Uh, or, what, or what woman, if she uh, has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the whole house uh, so she can uh, find it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me. I have found the coin which I have lost. Something precious to her, right? I'm just going to end with this because I really think that I want to pray with with you guys. Um, God is about restoration. Um, He's more about restoration than he is about maintenance. He's more about repentance than he is about religious mindsets. 
which means he's more about sinners than he is the righteous. We have to wrestle with that. He's more concerned with releasing the captives than he is with those who are already free. Right? And redemption is at the forefront of his heart. And that word redeem means to be bought, paid off, cleared by payment. And this is what I want us to know. And I hope that you can just grab a hold of this thing and and, and just understand the depths of what God did to redeem us. And here's what I know. Is that God wants what he paid for. He wants what he paid for. Just think about how you feel when you go to a restaurant. You want what you paid for. Right? You go to a store and you buy, you know, that latest television. It better work because you want what you paid for. Think of the price that our father paid in order to bring us back into a right relationship with him. He wants what he paid for. And we have something, a part to play in that. We have a part to play in lining our church or lining the pathway to our church with grace and love and the truth of the gospel. That repentance allows us to now come into the throne room of God and that we accept in our hearts and believe that God raised him from the dead, confess with our mouth that we will be saved. That's, that's the truth, and we have to get there. Amen? He paid a blood price. He sent his son to be murdered, and so he wants what he paid for. Um, I know that this church's heart bleeds for the lost. And I know that um, you guys are doing so many things exceptionally well. Churches being planted, uh, ministries being um, birthed within you know, the life of this city and this community. But, but I also know that we can sometimes come into conflict with who we are and our part to play. And I think so many times I, I, I see so many Christians who just feel muzzled. Who feel muzzled from, from being able to speak the truth. Who feel muzzled from being able to love on the community that God has, has, has dropped them right in the center of. And, and it's just it's this thing of like, I, I just, I don't know how, I, I don't know. And, and we read that we were called to be endowed with the power of God. We were called out and then empowered with the, uh, endowed with the power of God to be able to preach his gospel with love, with truth, and in power and authority. And I just think sometimes, you know, the church in the city is a force to be reckoned with. But sometimes when I'm out there on my own, I don't feel like a force to be reckoned with. And not a force to be reckoned with like I'm going to go and wreak havoc on the world, but I'm going to go and save that which was lost. I'm going to go and redeem that which my father has already paid for. And if, if your heart bleeds for that, and if, if in any way, I mean, I, I, I know, I'm probably preaching the choir, you could all stand, but I'm just, right now, you know exactly what I'm speaking about. You're feeling muzzled, and you just want, to, want that thing pulled away from you. I want you to just go ahead and stand. I just want to pray for some of you this morning.
just want to start with this. If if you've been more consumed with with the church thing, and you've potentially lost sight of that which is most important. <laughs> I just want to give you an opportunity just for a moment, just to, if it requires repentance, then go ahead. If it's a spiritual adjustment that needs to take place just right now in this moment, just allow God to make that adjustment with you. I mean, I'm a pastor. I, I slip into this thing all the time. Lord, I'm so consumed with the church and the meetings, and I'm so consumed with with equipping of the saints that I forget what I'm actually equipping them to do. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for always allowing us to Make the adjustments over and over again, even when we've disobeyed, even when we've lost sight of the things that you're calling us to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're one of those people who feels puzzled, then maybe you're standing here this morning and you're saying, you know, I, I, I just I want to tell people about Jesus. I, I want to be able to communicate the gospel in a, in a way that people will grasp. I'm just afraid to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't have the words. I'm not, I'm not so sound in, in my Bible knowledge. If that's you this morning, I just, I just feel like the Lord is just going to unleash fire through your lips right now. I just feel like the Lord is going to be able to impart into you not not just the knowledge. He's going to impart the wisdom and the discerning to speak life into dead places. That this understanding of I'm carrying life-giving water to thirsty lips. You can do that. You can do that. You're a son of God and you get to represent your father here on this earth. And it's not about wise words, and it's not about, about the knowledge. It's about you knowing God and you being able to communicate that I know my Father and I know my Savior, and I'm able to tell you what he is capable of doing. I can tell you the good news, and it is good news. I will rejoice in the simple gospel again. The Lord took 12 ordinary, unlearned men, And those men transform this earth through the power of his spirit. How much more can we, generations and centuries later, how much further can we be with all that we've known through our history to be able to communicate the undeniable truth that Jesus lives and he saves? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I just speak courage. I speak courage over you. I speak courage over you in Jesus' name. I just, Lord, I just speak brave-heartedness over the women in this room right now. Jesus' name. Passionate women. Women whose heart bleed 
not only for this city, but the, the people groups, for the, for the children and the families and, 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 the, and the fatherless. Just that compassionate heart that we all need. I just speak courage and fire over them. Lord, I pray for, for soldier spirits just to, to strengthen the backbone of your men in this room, God, your sons. Lord, you haven't called us to, to wage violent physical war here on this earth. But, Lord, you have caused us to stand for the lonely and the captives. And I just pray right now that there be a warrior spirit that rises up in your men. That my father's children are no longer going to be held captive. That my father's kids are no longer going to be stuck in shackles. That my father paid a blood price. And my savior spilt his blood. And I'm going to go redeem what he's paid for. I'm going to go collect on my father's behalf. And I'm going to deliver this gospel with passionate fervor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like someone um, in the uh, here has been really... Um, focused on 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 one individual people group, and it, I mean it's just been your heart's cry, and and you're and you're looking at it in the in the distance, and you're just saying, Lord, if if only I could reach this people group, if it's only Lord I can reach this people group, and and I believe there's a, a validity to your heart's cry, but I think I, I I believe that the Lord would say just this morning that please. Look at those next to you as well. Please look at those next to you as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'd like to do something real quickly as we close up in the next few minutes. If you could just go before the Lord right now and just ask the Lord to show you some faces. To show you some faces that you want to see in heaven when you get there. And I know some of your hearts may already be bleeding for those people. But I really believe that the Lord doesn't reveal things to us in ways to 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 taunt us or, or to create uh, desperation. He reveals those those things to us to activate us. You see, prophetic words and prophetic images and, and, and a prophetic response always requires obedience. So if our hearts are bleeding for for these people, if if I have a huge desire, I've been praying for this, this man's salvation, this woman's salvation. I've been praying, and I've seen it, God. I've seen it. What act of obedience would the Lord require? 
What act of obedience would the Lord require? Not what program could be started. Not how can I get other people to do this thing with me. You get started. Let the Lord use you. His glory wants to be manifested through you. So his name will be known throughout the entire earth. You are the wineskin that God wants to use to take life-giving water to thirsty lips. It's you. You have the ability. You have the capacity. You have the strength because God says so. Thus says the Lord. If we could just respond by lifting our hands to the Lord. One thing that I've asked the Lord for was to increase my capacity to carry more water. And I think that's what he did for the woman at the well. She came to the well looking to draw water, and Jesus said, if you only knew you'd be asking me for life-giving water that would be a wellspring within you so that, guess what, you don't actually have to keep coming back to this well. That it'll be a a life-giving spring that will be in you, and you're not going to ever know what it means to be on empty because my spirit is within inside of you. And I think we, we find ourselves on empty and we find ourselves on empty. And so we're, we've, we're, we're desperate. God's kids are not desperate. And I'm not saying we never feel desperate, but I'm just saying he's, he's supplied our every need. So, Lord, as our hands are raised to you, I just pray you increase our capacity, Lord. Lord, increase the capacity of this wineskin, Lord, to carry just gallons and gallons of life-giving water to the world around me. Lord, that when I feel like I'm at my last drop, Lord, that supernaturally this wellspring begins to just bubble up inside of me, that I'm able to just bring this life to the world around me. Thank you, Lord. Fill my cup. Fill my cup. If you know that song, this old song we used to sing, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Fill it, God. Fill it again, overflowing, so that I'll never run dry. Never run dry. That when I have these encounters, I won't be scraping at the bottom of the barrel. I'll be ready to just pour your love and your grace, your truth, this truth about who you are, and just saturate them. Saturate them with who you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, can we give Jesus praise this morning? Um, so we're done but a good response to this is the simplest response to this Go and tell someone about Jesus.
It's that simple. I know it feels massive in our hearts. And I know when you look at a city, I look at a city like L.A., and I want to take the city. Like, I want to take that city. 20 million strong, I want to take that city. That's daunting. But can I, can I start with one? Go and tell someone about Jesus. Yeah, but I mean, there's this need. Yes, there's a need. But their need is Jesus. Yeah, but Jesus. Jesus. Make him known. Let them deal with it. You're going to get rejected? Let them deal with it. Tell them the truth. And then love them. If they reject you, you love them even more. Don't, don't be oppressive. Don't, don't reject them back. Let them sit with that truth and then love them. I was speaking a little earlier, just that, that relational bridge. The stronger that bridge is, the more weight you can drop on that thing. Right? You could show them that mirror of the gospel. Oh, you, I knew it. I've had 